What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you. It's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shishkoombahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, never-before-tested formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery, of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard-earned money you make through book sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. If you only take action on one thing you hear in this episode today, take action on this. Put your book in my indie bookshelf. This is the coolest resource that I have come across in I can't remember how long. It is an amazing resource for authors and for readers. If you're wondering why I like it so much, you'll have to listen to the episode to get the full story. But I want right now for you to go to www.myindie, that's spelled M-Y-I-N-D-I-E, bookshelf, B-O-O-K-S-H-E-L-F. And if I spelled it wrong, it'll probably still get you there. Go to My Indie Bookshelf. You can hear Chewy wants you to go there, too. He's my podcast co-host. Do you have anything else to say, Chewy? Okay. So that's what you do. Add your book to My Indie Bookshelf. He wants you to do it, too. Chewy wants you to do it. And now, please enjoy my conversation with the creator and founder of My Indie Bookshelf, Christian Francis. This is TRBM Ammo Edition. If you're a published author and want to make a living writing books and selling them to avid readers, you've come to the right place. There's simply no program that's more successful at driving readers towards the books you've written. So the only thing you have to worry about is writing a great book. And the system with an ammo takes care of the rest. Thanks for listening to this conversation. I started off being a ghostwriter for many years uh, for screenplays okay. in the film industry. Um, wow, okay. And that took me to then do some ghostwriting, editing, and basically business managing for some published authors, um, to which I moved to LA, did that for a bit, and saw the real horror side of the traditional publishing world. 
yeah. and basically just even how they treat someone who's supposed to be a big author like mm -hmm. how they treat those kind of people like as soon as you don't sell a book it becomes the worst thing ever and they will just yeah. cut you off and treat you like dirt right and it basically left a real sour taste in my mouth um so then in about uh 2016 i decided i'm just going to start writing my own stuff now or at least releasing my own stuff sure yeah. um so i started that and then i was like intent on you know indie or self-publishing i didn't really mind which mm -hmm. um but then when i was I, i've done both now but it was like yeah. earlier this year i started to I, I realized that everyone is facing exactly the same problems like i only joined uh tiktok in march and okay. I hadn't been part of a community as such. Yeah. Um, just seeing the amount of uh, uh, self-end indie published authors that continually go on about the problems that they're having with marketing, uh, with discoverability, with um, other people treating them badly, as in like uh, readers and other authors alike, like traditionally published authors, and just mm -hmm. having nowhere to really show their books off because you go on Amazon, you can't anymore. You can't do a search for indie published stuff. And some people just read indie published. So yeah. I thought, well, I know how to build websites, kind of. I'm not <laughs> a professional. Um, yeah. I just thought, do you know what would be really cool if we had, if there was just a page that just had book covers that you could just scroll through, you can search genre and you can search them how you want. But if you're mm -hmm. in the mood for, hey, I just want a splatterpunk book, for instance, you could yeah. go on there click that, and it will show you as many as you want to click through and you can click through and it will show you not just where to buy because mm -hmm. the where to buy thing annoys me. Like, as in like, Oh, buy it here. And it's like, fine. But I like the authors being able to be in control of the books and be able to say, you can buy a signed copy here. And like, yeah. it's also important that it's free mm -hmm. because that, that, I mean, that's basically what I got to. I was, I was trying to do my bit to level a playing field to what I saw as unfair treatment yeah. of self and indie published authors. Like we basically have to do it all ourselves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we do. I mean, uh, I just finished having another conversation with a guy who will be on the podcast here shortly. And we talked about book covers and, um, you know, he's designing his own book covers. He's doing very well and selling very well. And um, it, it was when I when I came into this, I thought the one thing, uh, well, the things you have to pay for are editing, proofreading uh, and book cover design. I thought those are non-negotiables. You have to pay for them. If you try to do them yourself, it's going to be shoddy and you're going to give self-publishing uh, a bad name. I still hold that that's pretty true with editing and proofreading, um, but book covers, I'm starting to see that, you know, even people who don't have a kind of degree can can be mm. very competent in designing good book covers. I mean, I'm, it's kind of that's why I, I, I'm a bit lucky that my day job and my actual profession uh, is graphic design. Uh, that oh, wow. I'm a graphic designer for since the first iteration of Photoshop came out. Um, wow. So okay. I do my own book covers easily. Um, yes. and, but I had exactly the same thing when I first got into self and indie publishing, I started seeing other people's book covers. And to be honest, I was judging them harshly Absolutely. from basically a graphic designer's eye. And it kind of, it kind of annoyed me that I was going, but why aren't they, are they not, are they not caring and just putting anything out or are they designing yeah. it because that's all they can do? And it turned out as a mixture of everything. Some people literally do not care what the book cover is because that they're not in the market yes. for that. Some genres have a specific kind of look. That yeah. is supposed to be cheap and shoddy. Some yeah. particular, some subgenre. That that's literally the point. Like I, I mentioned, splatterpunk. Like mm -hmm. splatterpunk covers are not graphically good. Yeah, they, they never have been. Um, but that's <laughs> the point, and that's the appeal. So interesting. Getting into the mindset of it, but I totally get that. I mean, I believe that book covers. I mean, my site kind of makes it important that at least mm -hmm. 
there's some graphical representation because that's literally what's going to make people click because there's nothing else on there. You can't put star ratings. Uh, you can't do anything like that. It's literally just the cover. You click on it yeah. and it is totally visual, which yeah. I get is unfair, but it's uh, I don't think there's a perfect way of doing it. I don't think it's unfair. I, I really like, um, I liked your site as soon as I found it. Um, the process of putting my book on there was, was easy, straightforward. Um, I liked the freedom uh, that, that I had to kind of customize the experience to myself, but you're right. When it comes down to it, you just see a book cover and if it catches you, you click. Um, with that in mind, actually, I'm, I'm going to do this and it's going to make you uncomfortable probably. And it could lead me to have hurt feelings. So this is going to be really <laughs> exciting. But I'm going to show you my first book cover um, okay. and, and just have you give a quick critique for the reason that um, as I'm selling my books, uh, I continue to try to figure out what is the wrinkle? What is going on that I'm not connecting with people? And book covers is one that I keep coming back to. I've tried a redesign before, paid for a redesign, didn't mm -hmm. turn out what I wanted. And and when I get readers, they say this cover is beautiful. I think it's really nice, um, but something's going on. So here's, here's the book cover. Can you see yep, it closely? I can, enough? I can tell you exactly what the issue is. Okay, well, let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, it is a beautiful book cover. That artwork yeah. is actually beautiful. Uh, it's yeah. just the positioning of the title because it's basically about focal points of yeah. where your eye is drawn to. In a book, your eye should be drawn to the title. Uh, well, basically, the art, then the title, then the author. That's basically the three steps you need to do. Yeah. Um, unless you've got a pull quote on there, like four stars from whoever said this, then that right. sticks to the, into artwork, cover uh, artwork title then that then author the only problem is with your one it's artwork then there's such a division between uh the author name and the title that they're kind of the same start there's a lot of same sizing going on with some of the words so your yeah. eyes doing that while you're looking at it so that is i mean that's basically just from a graphic design uh perspective but yeah at the end of the day you can have the most beautiful cover on the planet it doesn't say right. but like it people might yeah. click on it uh, yeah but that's basically just from my my training of how I do things that's what I would look at but it's yeah. beautiful artwork so you basically you're pulling people in with that yeah and that's another reason yeah. why on my site the the thumbnails are not huge mm -hmm. intent unless you're on mobile then it's full width but on desktops it's not because I don't want people to judge like too much of a cover like that so they literally yeah. can just click on it because the artwork's great or the artwork pulls them in or yeah. they know what they're looking for like if it's a picture of a dragon and they're looking for fantasy they'll probably click on it even if it's a badly drawn dragon uh, yeah so <laughs> yeah that's uh, th that stuff is fascinating i was just doing a little bit of research uh this weekend i want to say maybe it's friday but the days all kind of blur um <laughs> and uh somebody was talking about even having like a cover where the the lines move toward the center so mm. if you have any kind of scene like you want the lines to draw your eye toward the center of the cover is that something that that you find is true and i know you're not here to talk about covers a lot but because of your background i'll we'll talk, talk about, about anything um yeah <laughs> So is is that true to your experience that that you want lines moving toward the center of the book or is that uh, uh, it, 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 things, it's completely that depends. I mean, that is like yeah. the writing rules. It's basically it's a generic thing that can apply, mm -hmm. but most of the time really doesn't because a lot okay. of the time uh, book titles are not in the center of the book. Yeah. And the first thing, and so you basically it's the way the eye works when they look at something, they'll look at there and scan down. It's just the way yeah. people so yeah. the very top, like you've got yours at the very top. So if you had lines mm -hmm. pointed to the center, they're looking at nothing. So if you need lines, they, if your title's in the center of the book, gotcha. okay. then that would make sense. Whereas mm -hmm. if there's nothing else there and you're dragging people to the center of the image, 
it doesn't have any point to it. Because you bear in mind that people look at these things for milliseconds. Right. So they basically have to look at it. And at least you want the artwork to make a dent. If, But the best thing is if the title makes a dent. And they basically go, and they'll just remember, even if it's subconscious, they'll remember the title. They might not remember your name, because that's why authors' names are normally small, unless you're traditionally yeah. published and it's fucking right. huge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I think about that too. And I've I've even um, wondered before and never really dug into it. When you get uh, Stephen King, it makes sense, I think, based on even what you're talking about. But when you get to Stephen King level fame, um, a, lo- a lot of the times his title's on the bottom of the book cover and yeah. his name in gold letters is very big, center of the title. Like they just want you to yeah. No one cares. I mean, it used to be all of his. I mean, it was weird that back in the sort of 80s when I started reading horror books, uh, obviously I was a child, but um, it used to be all the horror books were name, then title. Yeah. And it used to be like the name was always at the top, like Stephen King, it. That yeah. was the way it was done. Now, yeah. Stephen King, it. At the bottom. Yeah. And it's, like, yeah, it's exactly. like so weirdly done. It's like now it's mm-hmm. before it was like a subtitle, uh, a pre title name. Yeah. Right. Um, it was quite strange. Um, but also, I did want to say that I'm not necessarily here to talk about anything. Like, okay, yeah. Make, I don't, you know, I, I don't make money in like the site and all that. I want it to be published, but yeah. whatever you want to talk about, however you want to go, I'm completely fine with. You bet. So- <laughs> I really want to stick close to to the the project that you you've started for authors sure. and for self published authors because it's a really good service. One of the things, I mean, you you hit on so many things uh, when you were kind of just giving an overview of it, but the idea that you have a place to go where. Uh, no one else is gouging you more money or anything like that. Mm. Like when you said that, I thought there's got to be a way that you're making money out of this. uh, Because I've got a donation link on there. If people want to, I've probably made about $40 from it, which is great because that paid for a couple of months of hosting. So that's good. Yeah. Um, But I'm, I hated it when uh, every time you go on one of these sites to say, yeah, we're not here to make money from you. Yet you mm-hmm. can't put a short URL link. You have to put the full Amazon link. And they don't tell you why. It's because they're using Amazon affiliates and they're putting an affiliate tag on the end and yes. getting money from the clicks, which I find fine if you're up front. Sure. But I am against it personally because I'm yeah. the, Amazon is against indie authors. It has started. The algorithm has been against us more and more in the past few years than ever. Yeah. And giving them more money or get, get, make it, you know, me signing up to being a, in service to them didn't sit right, even though it might get me money. Yeah. So I made sure of like, there is no affiliate service here. There's nothing like you literally can use the site and I will never make a penny from you and you might yeah. sell a book, which to be fair, I'm fine with. I mean, I, I do have yeah. a space on the site for banners if ever I need to sell ad space. I mean, I work that into it and I'm going to constantly be evolving the site. And I don't know what's going to come in the future, but the one thing that will always stay the same is it's going to be a free service for authors to advertise their stuff and free service for readers to find stuff. So that's that's the ethos anyway. And now time for a little ad break. Have you ever heard of the Luke and Time Mysteries? If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you have. The host is also the author. The Luke and Time Mysteries are for anybody who likes a little R-rated action with a bit of magic as well as characters who do incredibly unlikely things, such as drink two gallons of bourbon in a single sitting. It's local, it's place-driven, it's voicey, it's hard-boiled. And where does all of Lyle's food come from? Find out these details and more when you buy The Luke and Time Mysteries. Click the link in the show notes, and we have every format available. 
don't miss your chance to get a 60% discount just for being a podcast listener. Now back to the show. That's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by that. I'm trying to gather my thoughts a little bit because, uh, okay. So the podcast, this podcast exists so that other people can see me in real time making mistakes. That's really <laughs> at the yeah. heart of this. Yeah. Is, is that I try things. Um, I worked uh, diligently for a long time to get my books in libraries. I'm a self-published author and that is just a huge uphill battle to get your books in libraries. But one, I believed I wanted people to have free access to the books. Um, two, mm-hmm. I also know it's actually just a really good sales channel. If you get a reputation in a library as being someone who gets checkouts, um, is easy to work with, publishes high quality work, they're going to just kind of start buying you your books without you having to make much effort. And so that's a repeat customer, 20,000 branches in the United States alone, three mm. ver- like versions of each of my books, that's 60,000 sales of each book. Um, and it doesn't count toward a list, but if I can get into them the way that uh, say Michael Connolly has, that alone will feed my kids. So yeah, I, I mean, think I would those- prefer to be in, I would prefer to be in a library than a bookshop, but apart from, yes. apart from independent bookshops, I'm talking about Barnes and Noble and stuff, much right. rather a library because yeah. I'm one of the few, I'm one of the people in the world that hates those bookshops. Like I can't yeah. go in them; they offend me because they're all the same. Every single bookshop you go in has the same sections, the same books on them, the same mm-hmm. order. The books last for as long on those shelves as the next shop, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh no, no. <laughs> I love that you're saying that. Um, I, I've I had one guy who countered me the other day. I did a live event. And he sat and talked with me for a while and I, and, and he said, well, your books in bookstores. And I said, no, and I, I don't intend to keep it that way because I, I think that bookstores are trying to gouge you as much as Amazon is for the most part. There are exceptions to every rule. So if you're listening and feeling like pissed off that I'm talking down about indie bookstores, blah, blah, blah. I'm not. I'm just saying that when you are an in, indie author, an actual self-published author, you walk in more often than not, they want to hold your material in consignment and they'll charge you if it's stolen. That's like absurd to me that I'm responsible for theft and I'm not even there to guard my product. You should at least pay me for the copies that are stolen. And then maybe I'll think about consignment. Um, this is gonna I mean, be I'm fun. fine We're with consignment if it's uh, if it's an indie bookstore and a small mm-hmm. bookstore that's not a chain, I will yeah. willingly put my books on consignment and be very happy to do so. In fact, I would go into yeah. the shop and offer them that. Yeah. Um, but when you get the big conglomerates, there's they're not here yeah. for you. They're not here to help you. I mean, the fact right. that I mean, it wasn't too long ago that Barnes and Noble, like, because it's actually a franchise, yep. um, they allowed their uh, some of the basically they have an overview still, but a lot of the people inside were allowed to order their own books in. A lot of these like mm-hmm. independent, yeah, you know, people's right. book lovers were going in and ordering their own independent books and creating their cool bookshelves, and they were like, yeah, there were videos of it of like these horror sections or science fantasy sections, romance sections, yeah. or all, and everyone was like really excited. Then Barnes and Noble uh, locked down and said no longer allowed to do that and then all of these publisher indie publishers or self-published authors got sent back their books and most of them are not uh, have actually ticked uh, that they accept returns on um, on ingram because they didn't know any better yeah and they got right, right. With thousands of dollars worth of bills because barnes yes. and noble decided actually not doing any anymore and they made their that's all so, the drops yeah. do it and it's that's the kind of stuff that uh, I like. Everyone goes, yeah, but you want to be in Barnes and Noble. Like, no, I don't, because they're bad people. Why would I mean? Obviously, not the people who work in them, but the people who yes. run it have, yeah. don't care about us. So why should we care about them? Right. Yeah. Like, and that's yeah. the whole point, like the marketing thing. It's like you got to you've got to think of new ways to market because we are the only ones marketing to an end user. Like right. the that's traditional right. publishers don't. They don't market mm-hmm. to end users. They might go on the internet and do an internet ad if you're Michael Connolly or something, but they won't do that's it right. if you're 
if, if, if you're basically, if you're just a normal person releasing your own book, they will not do anything for you. In fact, mm-hmm. most of the time, like I, I've, cause I get sent a lot, I've done a lot of contract negotiation for authors and things like that. And I got, I've been uh, sent a few co- uh, contracts quite recently just saying, hey, have a look at this. The amount of traditional publishers that now not only say you are liable to do your own marketing, like we will not do yep. a thing. That's you right. That's right. But not only that, their contracts do X amount of posts per week. And it has to be about a certain subject. And they even list the platforms and say, this is how many you're going to do on this. This is how many you're going to do this. And by this date, you've got to have X amount of followers. Otherwise, we take part of your money back that you've been paying. Oh, my them. goodness. And wow, I, have not, I haven't heard of some of that. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, there, it's basically like the, and, but the advances as well, they're lies about the advances. I only get a six figure deal. Like, no, the likelihood is you'll get a couple of grand and they'll still own everything yes. you do. And then they won't promote it. So right. you won't sell anything. So you won't make any more money. But then you don't have a book. They own it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. You're, you're, you're speaking directly into the author marketing mastery through optimization element of this podcast, which is Steve Piper yeah. founds this pro- program where uh, self-published authors sell directly to readers and they they use a, a Shopify store. So they're, they just completely cut out all middlemen. Um, and it's a brilliant way to get readers. Once you understand how to advertise directly to them, run ads through, through Facebook, my listeners probably are very familiar with the program, but um, it's, it has, given me the ability with a, a, a smaller backlist than many to have a real chance at making a living as a, an indie author, as a novelist. Mm. How cool is that? It's it's brilliant. Um, and so now, yeah, I hear about these things. I have a, a friend who uh, is with a very small publisher and she doesn't get to see her sales. She doesn't get to see what's working. Um, and too much money gets taken out of her book sales that she can't really afford to advertise. And she wasn't given an advance at all. She was just, you know, welcomed in and given that the the publisher's name on the spine. You think about all of the ways that authors take a haircut before they ever see a penny from a book <laughs> sale. And you're like, I, I mean, the, the industry is really, really broken. And I don't, from what I know, I don't see it being fixed anytime soon. I think that we're taking some positive steps, but uh, and there's a lot of problems with indie publishing as well. I mean, I yes. I know some amazing indie publishing companies that are top of the game and better than any other company out there. But the majority of them, unfortunately, are one or two people just there to make money for themselves, and they at no point, despite what they might advertise, are they actually there to help the authors themselves? They right. they'll do things like change contractual rules without telling anyone and like you'll contact them and like you know your contract might say uh you uh can get author copies at cost Mm -hmm. which is standard and then they'll turn around and say no 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 you you can't no 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 it's not cost it's a wholesale price uh because you know it's not it's not industry standard to do it otherwise which is a big lie but it's the way they will uh because indie publishers if like some of them they don't have oversight so they can That's do right. what they want. They can own. They can earn what they want. They can de- declare what they want. They can say, yeah. "We've got this much from your books." You'll never know, yeah, because they don't send you original sales report. They'll send you a sales report they've generated. Which, to be fair, the big ones do as well. But they at least have a lot of oversight, and you know the figures coming down are probably right, maybe not, yeah. but still more likely to be right. The problem is there's a lot of crooks out there in publishing, just the same as there's a lot of crooks out there. Uh, aiming at emerging writers to teach them how to write to tell them how to market and they're only there to make money and not actually help mm-hmm. um and that's a lot of the problem but th- as i said there are so many great indie publishers out there i'm not shitting on them all <laughs> I'm only yeah a, a few of them um and of yeah. course they 
things like vanity publishers, which are just mm -hmm. the scourge of the world, people still mm -hmm. believe that you should pay a publisher. I mean, I've seen there's a lot of TikTok assholes out there that yeah. literally make money from teaching authors. They run mm -hmm. workshops, they have how to write books, and right. they like make videos saying, hey, you should actually pay your publisher. They deserve it. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's like, yeah, they do all this for you. It's like, literally, that's their job. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 dumb it's it's, it's yeah. a, it, there's a lot against us as uh, yes. indie writers yeah um, and that doesn't make it better when crooks get unearthed i mean things mm -hmm. you, you're in the business long enough you more or less know in your genre the good indie publishers yeah i mean but then there's the whole thing of like well i get it a lot because i started off on tiktok doing anti-rules and like telling people what not to listen to and what not to do. Oh, like, nice. Yeah, I like that. Tell you things about writing. I mean, I even I did so many uh, anti-rule videos, which basically like, oh, show, don't tell, uh, dialogue tags, things like that. And basically just railed against them and saying why they're wrong. Yeah. And the amount of people that picked up on that, I then wrote a short book about it. And nice. not didn't leave it to any. I don't want people on TikTok to buy it because they can just watch it on all of the videos on TikTok. And oh, get cool. Okay. So this is for people like just who find it on Amazon to try and be a counterpoint uh, for it. But it's like the, that's uh, it's the the genesis of the website as well. It's like trying to rebel against what I saw as unfair and people trying to prey on emerging authors by giving them opportunities. Like there's the people like if they're even an indie author might say. All I want to be as part of this association that's maybe the, you know, whatever genre you're in, writers association, and that you can pay money per year and then you can say you're a member and we'll do nothing for you apart from you can say you're a member. And we run our own yeah. awards that you've paid to be in. Um, and it's like, it's these, these sort of yeah. things annoy me. That's why, like on the website as well, uh, at some point, I don't know when, because it was only thought of last, last week, I'm going to do my own awards. I'm oh, nice. going to the Mindies, because my indie, why not call it the Mindies? I decided to call it that. And I don't know what it's going to be, how it's going to be, but it's going to be free to enter and you don't have to be a part of anything to do it. You don't even have to have That's your really book cool. on the site to do it. Oh, um, wow. Don't quite know how it's going to work. Okay. Or I was, was going to say, I mean, or the time frame or anything. Yeah. It's, it's that, but it's the whole evolution thing. Like, I, what I put up on, I think, what, two months ago now, a month ago, I don't even know how long ago I did this. Um, yeah. Whenever I put it up, uh, I think it's about 10 weeks, 11 weeks, maybe. But as soon as I uh, put it up there, uh, it was not an unfinished, it was not a finished product. It was, yeah. there was a lot of mistakes because I just wanted to get something mm -hmm. out there. Absolutely. And then, and then ask authors to basically start putting stuff on there so I can figure out the issues, figure out mm -hmm. what the problems are before I, you know, try and aim it towards readers. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been learning how to do stuff and some people like telling me things that i didn't know there's a lot of genres i've never heard of that i had yeah. to get told about like you know i did the genre listings and i did the sub genres which are insurmountably yeah. long and the keywords which literally people don't know what they are and they just put in anything but um mm -hmm. some people when i said put in your keywords they put yes <laughs> yes and you're like okay, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yeah um but like genres and things like that like somebody said can i have the genre of australia please i was like no <laughs> this country <laughs> um so, no, things like uh, there are some genres i've never heard of like lit yeah. rpg or the cozy stuff like cozy romance or cozy fantasy you didn't even know True, cozy yeah. thing but yeah that's the kind of thing that you hear that it takes ages for amazon to catch up with mm -hmm. but I wanted to catch up straight away. So I needed people to tell me what was missing, yeah. to tell me what they needed, because 
I need authors to tell me what they want on the site yeah. in order for me to build it. So then when it goes out to readers, I mean, obviously people are using it at the moment, readers are, but when I actually officially just start trying to put some of my own money into advertising uh, yeah. towards readers, I want it to be more or less complete as it can be. Sure. Um, but that's a good that's a good spot to talk because I, I keep thinking when you're talking about this, there's there's two legs to the the process. One is yeah, building this place where where readers can come, but then the second part is finding the readers. And in mm-hmm. my experience so far, there is no real way to find readers for free. So where are you going to actually get the the uh, finances to be able to advertise the site? Uh, myself. Uh, there's literally there's, there's no uh, good answer yeah. because I don't know what I'm doing. This yeah. is, and I, I will admit to that. My hands up. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just yeah. trying to do the best with what I know, and I don't even know where I'm going to advertise it yet because um, yeah, uh, you try and advertise on TikTok is pointless because you can't say where to aim it. You can say a, yeah. a strange demographic that doesn't mm-hmm. really say because I just if I just want to say book talk, aim it at book talk. Just do yeah. that. Can't say that. Um, and if you do it automatically and say, mm-hmm. you choose for me, then when you see the stats of where they've shown it, it's to like 11 and 12 year olds. And right. it's like, I'm, I mean, bear in mind that the, this ad that I actually did wasn't for this one. It's for my book, which is an adult sure. horror book. Yeah, yeah. So you're aiming it towards 11 and 12 year olds. And that's the big demographic you've clipped on. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you are terrible at what you're doing. Just give people the option to do a keyword. I mean, Amazon do a better one. I don't know anything about Facebook. I don't know anything about like yeah. all the social media platforms because I've, I've never really done them. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I so don't... one of the things I think that's, that is interesting about what you're saying and Facebook too, because that's where I do all of mine. I think the average age of reader who buys my deal right now for, for selling my books uh, through Facebook ads is gotta be 55 or 65. And mm. I love selling books and I love that the, those, uh, uh, readers are reading my books, but I also know intuitively that if I can't sell more books to 30 year olds, I'm never going to get the kind of uh, brand fame recognition that I really, really believe mm. I can achieve. You have to reach the younger audience. And that's a that's a challenge on Facebook is that they know that the, the 55 and above uh, open their wallets a little bit easier. They're usually in more comfortable financial positions. And so you really see a lot of your ad dollars go there. TikTok mm. is nice. Um, you and I probably both started reading horror when we were 12 or 13. So it's not necessarily mm-hmm. that TikTok did anything wrong there. It's just the 12 and 13 year olds don't have a wallet to no. actually open up. And so that's where you come into these interesting dilemmas of how do you, how do you allocate your, your own advertising dollars to reach the right people? Things I'm, almost I'm nobody has solved yeah, it. I'm trying to think of it, I mean, that thing is the, the first port of call will be as soon as I've. I mean, I said I have a bar, which is as soon as three thousand books gets on the site, is oh, nice. when I say, okay, we're at a point where it's a viable thing to show people now. I mean, we're at about mm-hmm. one thousand six hundred and something now, and it's slowed down a bit. It was a huge for the first couple of weeks. It was massive. Yeah, it's getting like you know 100, 200 books a day. Uh, but yeah. it has slowed down and it's now probably 10 books a day. I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to reach 3,000 before we push it. I think we maybe reach 2,000, possibly. Um, yeah. First point of call is literally I'm just going to be saying to people, advertise, please just advertise it yourself. Here's, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing a thing. I'm creating like the, the, now every author has an author page. If you go into your book listing and click on your name, it will take you to your author page, which has 
yeah basically where the bio is the links and your books i mean it's not particularly pretty at the moment but uh i'm doing a bit more work on the author listings so it's gonna be author listings pages uh because even though you can on the front page search for an author i want it to be that if you click on Book covers uh this one's gonna be like basically names uh, yeah. so if you click on a genre it will give you all those authors but the problem is i didn't ask for author pictures when i started doing this uh, so, yeah it's annoying and if i say send it in now i'm gonna have like nearly a thousand pictures to allocate myself yeah. which yeah Oof, possibly yeah that's right that's tough it's it's so it's basically i'm just going to be trying to say to people look pimp out your author page put your yeah. author page on your site just yeah. put the link to it because yeah. at the end of the day it'll help sell your stuff as Absolutely. I said, again, I'm not making stuff from it. The more readers that go on the site, the more business people are going to get. Like I've had people contact me saying I've had uh, like in the directory, I've got like uh, audiobook narrators, sensitivity readers, editors, book cover makers, whatever you want. They've got it on there. And I've had a load of them constantly saying I've had some business from your site. Thank you. Nice. Like people. So we've had something, but obviously that's the authors going on asking for that. But I've yeah. also had some people say I've had people buy a book and said I found it on this website. So awesome. it is, even if it's only not, not, even if it's not, you know, doing a lot of business at the moment, it's mm -hmm. some people have made a couple of bucks from it, which means that the process works, which that's the litmus test. Like yeah. if the process works, then that's good. Then it means yeah. it's, it's a viable platform. Um, getting it to the people to know about the platform is the most difficult thing you can do building it was easy getting authors to put stuff on it is easy because i know that your authors i'm aiming for are desperate for a way to market for free because no one's got money so yeah. that was easy like it, it's just not it's not a difficult thing that happened I, I knew people would i didn't know this many people would go on it i thought at least yeah. to get a couple of hundred so yeah but then i i'm kind of shooting fish in a barrel with how to aim at readers. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to have to do some adverts at some point. I'm going to have to pay yes. for them. That's fine. Um, yeah. Any money I do get in donations, I will put straight into the advertising. But, you know, we both know how much advertising can cost. And yes. it can be, you could, you mean you could pay, pay tens of thousands of dollars for advertising and get nothing in return. And whatever I put yeah. into this, I'm not going to get, a, there's no return for me on it. So anything I get so, into it. I, I have a couple of thoughts right now because I, I think you get a, a a bigger win if you can find ways to put money into the system um, that isn't your own because you're limited by your own budget. And one yeah. thing that just stuck out to me is uh, there are people out there right now who love to uh, read and review books and love to get free copies of books for reading and reviewing. Um, mm. You could offer like a premium subscription to your site or a premium service to your site where uh you could get a, a, a verified something by your book cover. And so that could show up on your book cover on the main page. You know how you search by images mm -hmm. of book covers. If it's verified, it just means that somebody received a free copy who's connected to you, read the book, judged it to be uh, well edited um, and, and professionally published. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. it's not, it's not some fly by night guy and, and anybody can be on your site. That's one of the great benefits is that you're not, you're not um, a tastemaker, but you could have a verification where they paid uh, $5 to get verified on your website. It could be a one-time cost. It would be a very small drop in your bucket. But uh, if enough people started being aware that, oh, okay, these books, somebody has read and vouched that they're professionally written, that could add 
some level of credibility. I see you kind of yeah. like cringing a little. It's not necessarily an idea. Well, no, you it's love, a, but... the only thing about that was is that like the whole ethos of like nobody paying, or nobody being able to get above anyone else, as in like that's uh, why it's random. So the moment yeah. you start putting the verified thing, the only thing I think of is I think about the people who don't have it, mm-hmm. can't afford it. And then people going, well, that's kind of exclusionary. It's not, but it's the way it comes yeah. across. Like, it's why I don't want to put any stars on there saying, no, I don't right. want to link to Amazon reviews. If people want to find Amazon, yeah. they can click the buy link. Um, right. The only thing I could think of saying, which actually did, I kind of uh, took from the beginning of what you said, but when that could actually be something, was you could I could do a subscription thing for readers mm-hmm. that gives them free ebooks. And when I say free ebooks, the authors kind of, I can do an author donation thing that authors yeah. can donate an ebook mm-hmm. or a code to an audiobook or however they want to do it. Yeah, and I, like I can it. include that in a monthly subscription. So it will go out to the people who have subscribed mm-hmm. and the authors don't have to pay for it, mm-hmm. but the people reading it do. So say if they pay $5 a month, at the end of that month, they'll get, it basically gives them access to a massive amount of books probably. Cause I know a lot of authors yeah. would happily give their stuff. Yeah. I mean, you could do something like that. That's, that's a great idea. Like, I, I mean, that, that that idea is a really good idea, and it's something that you could you could beta test and just throw it out there that it exists um, and start asking mm-hmm. your authors. The other question I wanted to ask you when you were discussing this whole thing is, are you collecting email addresses from your authors? I can't remember when I put my book on there. See, that's the other thing. You have to. I, I'm, I'm going to be as like, you have to change that. You have to get email addresses from your authors because um, that would solve a problem for you of uh, when you realized you wanted headshots for to accompany yeah. the author page. You can send out a blast and just be like, hey, authors, I want to do the best I can for you. Please take a moment to follow this link and update your author page with a headshot. You would get instant compliance compliance because everybody wants to do that otherwise you're sort of like walking through the blind and i i think i can speak for many many authors i give my email address to just about anybody i don't care anymore i don't i don't see it as some sacred thing if i want to unsubscribe i will um and i can i can block people if they end up being a problem so that's just basically like i want to see what's out there and what might work for me so i don't think you'll have a hard time collecting email addresses since it's free to put their book on your site so add a form collect those email addresses going forward and you'll have such a valuable asset just in those email addresses um that when you come up with because listen at the bottom of all of this it's painfully clear that you are an ethical human being with a real heart for authors i don't know how you got that i don't know why you are the way you are but you're a rare kind of person who cares to do something good in this world and you haven't even thought about how to make money with it which that's that's amazing yeah. and i mean i'm and, trying to you know, i know about the i know the mailing thing is or not make i know the email thing is a big thing and it was one of those things like the headshots that i didn't think about yeah oh well, i'm just gonna t- turn that off a sec Ah, sorry, doorbell game. Uh, no, I said I. I know I should I should have collected the email addresses, but only now. Yeah. When you said that, I was like, oh, of course. It yeah. Is. Of course. Yeah. Um, but then I. I mean, I've. I did start getting. I uh, building like the newsletters I have built up are for people who want to be contacted for arcs because now I've, on the site you can authors can sub- submit their arcs or alpha or beta reading books and people can either see the ones listed on the site or sign up for any private ones. Cause I know some authors don't want their arcs advertised that they're available right. um, or on their contact details out there, um, which is fine. So that hence I did the newsletter version, but yeah. that's really all it is, but I can easily add uh, onto the submission form. 
put your email address in uh, and it will just be yeah. a field that goes in. Um, I'll have to, the only part, the problem with the, uh, the, all of that stuff is mm-hmm. to use, say, something like MailChimp, for instance. Yep. Uh, if you have a thousand contacts, fine, it won't cost you that much. If you have 10,000 right. contacts, yep. it'll cost you a bit. Yes, so I can like, solve that problem for you too. For the time being, yeah. is is run it through Substack. So, uh, just create a free Substack newsletter for yourself mm-hmm. and drop all of those email addresses into Substack. You can uh, email at volume and never charge a penny. Uh, you could have a list of five hundred thousand people on Substack and send out, and they won't charge you anything for it. So, I'm just the way that Substack to write this down. Yeah, is, uh, I w- I'm going to do that. <laughs> yes, it's it's. I, I, you know what? I I was hosting my podcast through um, Buzz Sprout for a while, mm-hmm. and I liked them, and I paid twenty bucks a month or something like that, uh, and and it was good. But then I saw that Substack had started allowing people to host their podcasts, and I was like, surely something's wrong here because the, there's no charge for for hosting. And I I searched and searched and dragged my feet and didn't do it for a long time. And it was actually when I realized that not only could I release my episode every every week for free to as many you know platforms as I wanted, but also uh, it would send out an email accompanying that to be like, hey, here's the new episode. And <laughs> my listenership went up hugely when I did that. And nobody unsubscribes. It's not like they get two emails a week from me because I do two episodes or had been doing two episodes. Nobody unsubscribes. My open rates were in the high high 40s. I mean, there's just no downside. And then Substack hasn't charged me anything. So well, I should probably the, put set a podcast. I had a podcast. A true, of course, yeah. I had a true one podcast because everyone has a true one podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I had one and we, you know, we don't do it anymore. We got to about 40 episodes, but then yeah. it was on Libsyn and I, I'm, I'm not paying a monthly fee for something I'm not doing anymore that I've right. done since the beginning of COVID. So mm-hmm. it now doesn't exist except yeah. apart from mp3s and my thing so i should probably create something on substack and actually have them yeah. on there just so people can listen to them absolutely it's great it's easy it's a really amazing thing and i think that they are similar in ethos to the way that, that you're talking about they they definitely want to make money and they're making a good deal of money and the way that they're doing it is that you can subscribe to the stacks that you value um, and you can be a free subscriber or a paid subscriber so it's kind of like got that uh Oh, I can't think of the name of the, the site that people use and you can, it's kind of almost like a donation or you can have paywall type stuff. Patreon so you can, yeah, Patreon. That's exactly the one I was thinking of. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like Patreon, but really geared towards writers and now podcasters. Uh, and it would, it would really marry well with what you're doing right now um, mm-hmm. in both ways. And uh, so I would, I would highly recommend it. Then if people yeah. do subscribe through Substack to you, then Substack takes maybe 10%. It's a very small fee, but it, it ends up, working well at scale they have they have some of the the top journalists uh out there that are completely free of any kind of like cnn or uh fox news or any of those type of avenues because they they're able to have so many paid subscribers uh, that get the full treatment so everybody wins it's a cool model yeah. and what what you've designed for writers is that uh I, I just I'm blown away by what you've done. So I want I want it to be as successful as possible, and many people to find you and sign up for your newsletter, and um, everybody wins. Nobody loses when when you do things the way that you're doing them right now. Yeah, I am quite I am quite prepared for it to fall on its face. Um, yeah, I'm under no illusions that this. I yeah. mean, everyone keeps saying, "Oh, this is going to be big. This is going to do really well." Like, no, yeah. it could, it could fall down really sure. badly, and yep. just have authors adding their books and then nothing. Yes, that's right. And that's yeah, and that. 
that does go back to what we were talking about earlier is, is you have to be able to find a way to find readers. And and mm-hmm. the best way I know of is advertising. I, I hate that that's the truth. It's just really very few people have something that they can create that goes so viral on TikTok that uh, the, the algorithm on the platform does all the work for you. Otherwise, you have to sort of like nudge it along on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it might be. Well, I um, did a TikTok video advertising, which is me speaking, yeah. to the, uh, speaking to the screen saying, if you're, you know, authors, this is a call for you. Please put your books on this site. It's free. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Uh, they, uh, it was. I used a coupon, and it was basically, you know, use this coupon, and you can go mm. up to twelve thousand people. We can show this video to. I was like, oh, cool, free, brilliant. Yeah, that's awesome. They wrote to me halfway through and said, uh, "This video is of poor quality, so we're not going to do it anymore." Oh, and I went, "What? The video was poor quality? Well, I've got a Pixel Seven phone, so it couldn't be in the video. Like, what, yeah." Is it- Talking was it the fact that well, I don't know what it was like they know yeah. that like I said on the advert the gear is to get hits on my site so yeah. it wasn't because it was going somewhere else mm-hmm. but they judged it poor quality and I think it's because TikTok have a deal with Penguin Random House uh, like when you do oh. you can add a book like you know you can add songs you can add yeah. a book reading only books by Penguin Random House are on there because Penguin Random House sponsor them wow so of course if you're doing something and it's aimed specifically at something that isn't theirs they're not really going to think twice about it and they're not going to i very much doubt a book like not many books go viral anymore on tiktok some do occasionally but it used to be i mean when i was actually browsing tiktok but not a part Mm -hmm. of it there were so many books that were going viral like people like the latest book come out and there's so many now once every month you maybe get a book and it will be short-lived and most of the time it's traditionally published. A couple of the times you get other ones, uh, normally yeah. for bad reasons. Maybe the author's a bad person, so that's getting uh, pushed that way. Yeah. But it's no longer, since Penguin put a lot of money into TikTok, there's the platform's kind of working against us a bit. I'm hoping so- it changes. I guess I, I want to say a couple things to that. One is kudos to to Penguin Random House for being the first uh, big publisher to understand that they need to change the way that they're mm. advertising. So I'll, I'll applaud them for that. Um and for all of the authors who are inside of their family, they're getting a benefit right now. So I, I, I applaud them. Good job. You had the money, you had uh, the the capital to just kind of swing around your your huge baton, and it did hurt all all of us. Um, but yeah, it does go right back into the idea that uh, we are a business of one all the time. We're always a business of one. If you if you have enough success, you might be able to hire somebody who ships your books for you or responds to emails for you, different things like that. But essentially if you're if you're a self-published author, you're always going to have your hands in business management. And that is uh intense to say the least. And, and you get like, I mean, I've had some authors write to me about the site because like the whole thing of the ethos being you cannot be above anyone else. Your yeah. site it appears at random if it's at the top Next time you reload it, it won't be. And it's completely random. There's no way you can, you know, fix the system. Mm. The amount of people that, I mean, I've probably had a couple of dozen now, uh, writers write to me and say, I adore the fact it's like this. It's so good. It's so refreshing. Can I please pay to be at the top? (laughs) 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 Wait a sec. You just unsaid everything you said. (laughs) And it's like the amount of times that I've said that, you know, this is not, you can't do that. And eventually... I'm going to have banners, put banners on the site. At the moment, I'm a bit cheeky and it's yeah. my books that the banners on the site because yeah. I just had to put something there. But I did say like in a few of my videos that um, it's never going to be an author's banner. Like yeah. apart from my one, because it's there just for the moment, mm-hmm. when it actually happens, it will be 
maybe a writing service that I actually agree with, or maybe yeah. a publisher that I agree with, but it will not be an, or an author cannot pay for their book to be up. And even a publisher, if they want to put something out there, it cannot advertise a book. It can advertise the company. But oh, that's, interesting. Okay. that's the only way I'll do it. Like, cause the whole ethos of like your book cannot go above anyone else's it's for a very good reason, because I want that one person who literally wrote it, self-edited, made their own book cover and can't afford to even buy an author copy of their book on KDP, even though it's a few dollars. I want those people to be seen alongside people who have made hundreds of thousands of dollars from yeah. self-publishing. I want equal. I mean, people might look at these the covers and just go, awful, and go to the next one. Fine. Yeah. But they've seen it. It's all about just discoverability. I, mean, I, I, I like the vibe of that. I think the one place I would push back slightly and I don't, but what I, I guess, let's say it this way. I don't actually believe that that, that person that you just said actually exists. I think that that's a the, the theoretical person that maybe kind of exists, but most people have two bucks hanging around for an author copy. Um, but what you're actually pointing at, as far as I can tell, is is basically saying there needs to be equality so that the reader gets to choose. And I think that that is massively valuable. Um, the... the I'm saying this to the authors who are listening to the show really is uh, no matter what your budget is, you can afford to give of your time uh, of your expertise, give from your value in some way to get your book professionally edited. There are people out there that if you are willing to trade services, will edit your book for you. If you can do something for them. And I would say, don't publish your book. If you self edited it, because you can't take that like that moment back. And yeah. I, I don't know, it, it's something about the idea of investing. It's the investment that you make to get the book out. It is. Um, and it's like, like, but the one thing they all have to realize as well, and they don't, not enough people know that editing isn't one thing. Right. You're there, right. There's yep. so many stages of editing or different kinds of editing. Like personally, I only use copy editors and proofreaders. I do not yep. want anyone to look at my book and give me and develop it. the story. I don't yeah. want any of that because, and that's just a personal choice. Yeah, Like I'm not right. It's just personally, I want my book to be told that way. And I'm really stubborn about yeah. that. Yeah. And I, but, and I know that's detrimental to my book because what I view is not always right. Like there'll be some yeah. parts I'm not right about, but I think I am. But then if, if somebody could like read it, if I didn't, hadn't released it and literally say, mm -hmm. oh, actually that's a contradiction. And I'd go, ah, yeah. It. I, okay. I love that. That's my thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that you bring that up because I actually, other than, other than my first book, which did have uh, a little bit of developmental editing from my literary agent at the time. Um, I've never had a developmental editor either. I've had copy editing and proofreading. Um, I've had beta readers a little bit uh, to, to, so that's like somewhere in the gray area of developmental editing. Um, but that's more of a, I think like alpha and beta readers are more like a sounding desk. Like yeah, in some, in some ways, yeah. It's working for you, but then they say no, and you go, right. cool, you don't have to change it. It's not like they, it's not like they have a gun to your head and go, no, you change it or it won't Yeah, sell. exactly, exactly. Um, I, I started off, I mean, I've got a master's in creative and critical writing. Yep. I taught writing, uh, creative writing for a few years uh, for university. And then I went, as I said, I went, I was doing ghost writing and I've done, so I've done a lot of writing, yeah, yeah. many different specs, but because I was focused on screenwriting, it was all about plot. So yep. my, my brain is wired to write 
a plot in a certain way. Yeah. So I know that if I send my book to developmental editing, they're going to have an issue with it because it never follows the standard track of doing things. Mm. And I am a absolute bastard when it comes to micro storytelling. I love it. Mm. I love mm. it. Like I will have a book and you'll read it. And then all of a sudden there'll be a short little chapter about someone who's got nothing to do with the story, but oh, you just bump into it and it's just going to follow them and tell you their backstory for no good reason, apart from the fact that setting a tone. Like I do that because it's mm-hmm. kind of, I look, uh, I, I look at my stories as not a plot. I look at my stories as a glimpse. So you basically look okay. at a world, but it's more than just the, the two people walking along. It's mm. the whole story. So that's where I look at it. But I don't think enough new authors out there, when they're writing a book, realize that there are different ways to edit. There are different ways to do things. But the important sure. thing they need to know is someone has to look at your book, even if it's for copy, because mm-hmm. even a copy that's editor right. looking at it, if there's a glaring plot hole, like suddenly someone's walking around in your book when they died at the beginning, and they're yes, not as that's right. Yeah, they will even write back and go. They will point out egregious errors. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. That because that's natural. Um, but new writers, especially, like the reason I brought up like my backstory with that is new writers necessarily don't have uh, training or experience in writing, mm-hmm. so yeah. they're just starting out learning. So maybe for them, a developmental editor would be beneficial. Definitely. Um, at least, I mean, I think Alfred readers. Uh, are if you can't get an editor, can't afford an editor because they can be pricey. Um, you need to look at like alpha and beta readers. But again, yes. not all editors like this is the, the the other thing that they don't realize. Not all editors are for you. Like that's right. Editors like if you an editor might say, well, I I, I like horror. Um, you're a horror author, so I'll edit your book. Mm-hmm. You might not approve of anything you do. So I'm a big proponent in people who are just starting out to find an editor. Mm-hmm. Give them one page of your book and say, yeah. can you just uh, do uh, this is on spec? Can you just give me one page edit, your, some general feedback of what you would say about this developmentally yeah. wise and just mm-hmm. see what they say? Because what they, they might come back and just give you stuff that automatically you will go, oh, God, what the hell? No. Right, and exactly. They might believe in particular writing rules or things that you don't. Um, yeah. Because it's like finding a partner. Like when you find the right editor, you could be with them for life. Yeah, you find the wrong That's one, right. you've wasted a lot of money. That's right, absolutely. I mean, you're you're so right about so many things, and because you're in self-publishing, you don't have like uh, the editing and all of that stuff included in this book contract that you got when you were traditionally published. So uh, that also is is a, a place where there was some damage done or some mistakes. Is that I think a lot of self-published authors think about the traditional publishing method, and they're like, well, they don't pay for editors, they don't pay for uh, X, Y, Z, and so like, well, yeah, that's because they're they're only getting uh, oftentimes like five percent of the actual like sale of their book and at the end of the day the publisher the traditional publisher owns your book now you don't so they're gonna pay money getting it done because they want a product that they can then reuse later on the likelihood Mm -hmm. is though a traditional publisher like over i think i think it was between seven hundred fifty thousand and eight hundred fifty thousand uh traditionally published books last year yeah that's worldwide um of them how many do you see on the shelves in bookstores right less than one percent now of those less than one percent how many are still on the bookshelves six months later probably one percent of those so your book you're the books on bookshelves even if you're traditionally published might only have a six-month lifespan and then it will disappear and if it hasn't sold a lot they probably will never do a second pressing and then you'll never see your book again and the only way you could get it back back. lucky 
you'll have the rights back. You'll be, you'll have a clause of being able to buy them back. But most mm-hmm. book, but most traditional ones, like the really big ones, won't include that anymore. And a little story about uh, uh, I worked for an author and uh, he published a book back in 1990 and it was a big set. But no, it was an OK selling book for YA market. Um, yeah. And it hasn't been in print for 15 years and wow. he and he wanted to do his own special edition on his website only a thousand copies made like get it printed himself in nice big like clamshell brilliant collector's edition but only a thousand because he wanted to include lots of extra bits that no one's seen before lovely thing um they charged him eight dollars per book to the rights to do one thousand he had to pay eight grand for the rights to publish self-publish 1000 only sell on his website and this is not a small no one author right so it was just baffling that they would treat something like that because the book hasn't been published for six uh, for like 15 years right they don't care they just want the money yeah exactly and that's the thing is when you have the contract i mean you're going to do everything that you can that's Mm. that's painful that's really painful i mean that's why i mean i always say i will never ever 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 be traditionally published ever and there is a caveat to that though i will do work for hire as traditional publishing because that's different sure. like for instance but it's like it's like i will they can pay me to do some stuff for them fine if somebody because yeah. i do a lot of novelizations like mm-hmm. i've done a lot of horror novelizations if for instance i um uh, a, a traditional publishing company wants me to do a novelization would have no problem with that fine you pay the money yeah. done because you yep. don't you're not under the same remit as being of getting your own babies done because basically yeah. novelizations are writing somebody else's work um right. but the idea of giving my work mm-hmm. and just the idea of someone owning that and me not being able to get it back unless either i pay them a lot of money or license it from them i just i don't think i could i don't i literally don't think it's possible i don't care if they said well we're going to pay you five million dollars like yeah well i will be set for life and i won't have to work again and i could just yeah. write forever the idea of giving up something, I mean, when you're a self-published author, it's the same as like you you kind of love your books a little bit more because you were involved in the editing the book covers because of that end process that beforehand you had no idea really about it when you started out and you had to do this. It kind of makes you fall in love with your work more. Yeah. It, it can have the reverse effects and you can end up hating the book so much you never want to look at it again. Yeah. Um, but even now, like today, I put up a, uh, I, I made a video, an advert video for my first couple of books. You know, yeah. They've been out for years, but I put them up again yeah. and go, why not? Because I'm so proud of, of them. I thought that I wouldn't own them. Mm-hmm. That, that hurts. That's why I think it's important that a lot of people know out there, that the authors out there know that, yes, the route to marketing and selling a book is difficult. It's so difficult. But it's no more difficult than if you were traditionally published. It's just traditionally published, you might have an upfront payment. That's right. But you then lose a lot of control, That's which right. a lot of people just want their book in a bookshelf. That's, I know yeah. that, which is fine. But even today, I had someone contact me and say, um, I've got a friend who is, uh, has just been, has just lost their traditionally published contract and they want it, they're, they're umming and ahhing about self publishing because, you know, they want their books to be in print. They don't want it just to be digital. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, what that's yeah. not a thing like, yeah. you can make the book you can get it and make what you can actually hold the book in your hands like yes <laughs> who's the one telling these people that's who's weird. the one telling them they can't yeah. do that? and i swear a lot of people do that a lot of people tell mm. them 
like traditional publishers will tell their authors that they can't do something that something out right. there is don't do that um and i think a lot mm-hmm. of uh, especially a lot of uh, writing tutors are very much guilty of pushing the traditional publishing flag and saying this yeah. is the only way the right way and if you try it the other way you will fail so that's where a lot of this problem with marketing and indie publishing comes into effect because people are just overwhelmed because they have not got anywhere telling them this is what you do this podcast obviously like there are people out there telling you no no no. it's it's simple when you break it down it's a lot Mm -hmm. it could cost you money but it isn't a process that's prohibitive for you or saying no to you it's just something you have to learn yeah I think that there's also uh, to add into all of this, not directly responding to that, but I, I you made me think of a, a good friend of mine. Uh, he's an avid reader. He's given me a lot of books. Uh, we have great conversations about books. He is 100% in line for traditional publishing. Uh, he's got a brother-in-law who who self-publishes, and he'll mention him, but you you know he's I think maybe read one of his books sort of reluctantly. Um, and I asked him to read my book and rate and review it, and I gave him a copy for free, and he did. And we had a little conversation about it, but I knew immediately that he went into it just thinking this is a a self-published book and Mm. that saw it very differently. And I think that there's still a fairly large uh, swath of the reading public that does view self-publishing as inferior. And so they'll only read traditionally published Mm. books uh, and they just have a bent against self-published. That is frustrating to me. And and then on top of that, I was thinking about if traditional publishing wants to just continue to press its thumb down and try to hold its ground, uh, all they have to do is is talk about how, how terrible self-published books are. I mean, they have a platform yeah. where they can really uh, shout that story pretty far and wide. And I'm sure that they do in small ways do that, like telling you you can't do something. Uh, in the university, you you taught, so you probably are at least somewhat familiar with this, but they, they won't let self-published authors really be part of a curriculum or, you know, spoken about. And they speak very, very poorly. Um, I got my MFA from Eastern Washington University in fiction writing, and it was a great experience. But again, the professors all think that me self-publishing means that my book was of a a lower quality. Um, And then so the last thing I wanted to say about that, and I'll hand it right back over to you to just share your thoughts on this. But um, I have a couple of friends. We're starting something almost like a co-op. And the idea is, is we're all in charge of our books um, and our publishing process, just like self-published. But we'll have at least five authors and start a, a, um, a traditional brand so that we get access to some of those things. And and I think it would be awesome to see more authors and your your platform makes this possible too, join together to form kind of co-op environments where yeah. you can actually uh, bundle books and deals that you could advertise together. So it would make advertising costs cheaper. You could acquire readers much more cheaply. And if you get big enough co-ops together, you actually have a say-so if a traditional publisher tries to uh, spin the narrative on you. So there are a lot of cool things. I've been thinking about those ideas recently, and um, my conversation with you sort of brought a lot of that to the surface. So, Well, the good thing is, is that anything like that comes about, and anyone out there listening who might have an idea of doing something collectively, doing that, like get in contact with me, and I can try and make a section of the website that can advertise that to maybe draw others in to join that kind of thing because that's the kind of thing i want to push i mean it's not just for readers but that's why there's now a reader section and an author section so i want it to Mm. be somewhere where everyone can go and use it for i mean if it ends up that the reader section fails and we don't get a lot of people reading it but 
it ends up that the author section is used and a place where they can yeah. swap books, where they can do like do something like that. It's that's great. Like yeah. I'm, I'm for however the the path the actual route will go of this site and where it will go. And if it is mm. a question, like, I mean, imagine if you could uh, if you were a new author and you went on whether it's my site or someone else's and clicked on and there's a section for co-ops and it, there's a list of available ones that you could actually join. It shows you what they do, how they do it, and you could look actually look about joining it maybe contributing somehow maybe if there's however they do it whether it's you uh, pay to be a part of it or however like mm. having that option to be able to see those in front of you i think is wonderful i mean even the yeah. point that that's the same ethos with the arc section because at the moment you've got to go on netgalley book sirens book sprout and pay right. to be a reader or pay to have your book up there and if you pay to do it you might be able to get this right that's the authors don't care about mm -hmm. people getting like don't you know they, they don't they're not in the arc thing for the money it's not a paid thing they don't get right. money for um putting their arcs up the readers don't get money for reading the books so that media yeah. thing annoys me um especially yeah. seeing as the big pub the traditional publishers use netgalley and it's really like cost prohibitive um yeah. but it, you know that's why you can go on say my site or anyone listen and there is a load of lists up there's like I think 40 arcs up there now currently that yeah. you can go up. if you want to be an arc reader you can find that contact the author directly or sign on to however sign up they've decided to do it and become an arc reader without having to pay for it and i think that's that kind of available information is the only way that independent publishing is actually going to progress and eventually like traditional publishing is going to fail if it doesn't adapt and yeah. i think indie publishing is the only way that can do it right from the outset because apart from yeah obviously paying with random house having the money to pay for tiktok mm -hmm. that's really it. exactly exactly like, so that the others are going to fail because eventually the big bookstores are going to go the way of record stores and that's right. uh, bookstore uh, 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 video stores they are going to fail because people are going to stop buying it physical uh, copies not like the, the mum and pop independent stores are going to be fine because yeah. it's a different kind of audience but the kind of audience that go into a barnes and noble that costs tens That's of right. thousands a month to run just yeah. one store eventually the income is not going to allow that um, and especially covid didn't work amazingly because it really yeah. only boosted their e-sales which yeah, yeah. is fine because then a lot of these big publishers i think are going to have to either accept the print on demand service change the mm -hmm. way do, they do contracts or just go digital that's yeah. really the available options for them unless there's another resurgence in uh print buying for the normal public like but mm -hmm. then most people buy their books from target yeah that all people Absolutely. don't go premium yeah. yeah they're not going to buy a uh, go in buy a latest whatever book for 20 bucks when they can go into target get it for 10. um right. they're not they're not fussy a lot of the time the majority of buyers aren't fussy enough to get the latest thing by the latest person they'll just go i'll wait till it comes down in price yep. because they're not in a rush they're not fans they're readers and the majority yep. of them this is the majority of the majority of them just consume whatever they can it's why marvel films are so big it's not a sign of quality it's a sign mm -hmm. of this is bright and shiny look at this and for the moment they're looking at it the moment it yep. goes away forget about it and the next thing will come along um yeah so that's the kind of thing like i think the print uh, traditional print is going to be heavily affected and it's going to be all that's going to be left left is the independent publishers who follow a traditional model so those that are small companies that do buy in their own print sell to the end user um but also adapt to selling to 
the buyer as well and yeah. will have hybrid kind of traditional publishing methodology. And yeah. I think that's really the way it's going to go. And I think conversely, indie publishing is going to change as well. I think a lot of the independent publishers are going to end up stocking their own books as well. Like most of the independent authors out there buy their own books in and sell signed copies on their site. Mm-hmm. Independent publishers are going to start doing that too. And they're going to buy start buying in bulk in order to do the trade fairs more. And it's going to become more of a mishmash of everything. Yeah. I hope that's, that's the case. I, do yeah, I don't know how long case. that would take. That could probably take yeah. decades, but yeah, exactly. I don't, that's my dream or an actual, pro- uh, you know, or, or actual yeah. intelligent thought. Uh, it's probably- uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say it does go back to, I, I always, I just really do think of ad dollars a lot at this point because uh, mm-hmm. the person with the biggest budget can oftentimes bludgeon their way into success. Um, and it, it sucks that that's, that's true, but it often is, uh, so a couple of things, and I want to wrap up is, uh, there is a site that you can look at just for inspiration. I kind of think it might, uh, give you some ideas. Um, yeah. I think that the main one is called pod match, but the one that I'm interested in you looking at is called pod lottery. Uh, yeah. I, I use pod lottery to get, uh, verified reviews on Apple podcasts. And so the, mm-hmm. the way that it works so that it can be ethical is that, uh, you sign up as a podcaster. And then uh, each day for me, it's at 9 p.m. Um, I can't do the time conversion off the top of my head to where it would be for you or if it's different, depending on what country you're in, uh, then there will be available podcasts that have won reviews through a lottery. And uh, if you're there quickly enough, then you can grab those, listen to those, and then you get tickets to pick a number between one and 20. Uh, you can play up to five tickets a day, and then there will be a random number of drawings at the tickets drawn at the end of the day. They they let you know at the start of the day. Today we'll draw two. Today we'll draw seven. Um, and so you get free reviews by people by winning them, but there's no guarantee that you're going to get them, which is where it becomes ethical because you're going to put the time in to listen to shows, and you're going to get a ticket, and you're going to play that ticket and not get a review back. So it's not a review swap. Um, it's the ability to get people reviewing yeah. books could be really hard in that format. So I wanted you to, I just want you to look at it and and maybe like marinate on it for a little while and see if something comes to you, because that that's another um, potential area that uh, could be incorporated into your project is how do you get ethical ratings and reviews? It doesn't even have to necessarily be on Amazon. In fact, in some ways, I'd love if people would look other places for ratings and reviews, but just some way that that we can get more ratings and reviews, people yeah. are talking about our book intelligently. So um, that could be a cool element. And then I want to make sure I'll, I record an intro to every episode. So I'll introduce you there and the project and everything you're doing and tell people to look at the show notes so that the most people We'll get the opportunity, but anyone's hung out this long, give them your sales pitch. Why should they be involved with you? Why should they get your, uh, their email address in your hands as quickly as possible and, and stay connected? Well, basically it, what I'm doing costs you nothing as a, uh, you know, it costs you nothing to list a book. It costs you nothing to read a book. Oh no, to see the book, to find the book, to discover the book. Yeah. There's no money changing hands. There's no risk. Um, all of uh, any time where I am, say, taking an email, if you are signing up to become on the ARC Reader newsletter, um, it's all GDPR compliant. It's There's privacy documents in place for you to see. Um, literally, it's only ever used for that. Your data is never sold or anything like that. Um, and basically, it's a service that can only ever succeed if people take part. If no one submits a book or no one decides to look for a book, or look for a service, then it's then it goes away, then it will fail miserably. But 
it could become big. I mean, imagine if there was a hundred thousand books on there that you're just sitting there going, I have like, like you, you know, you don't want to go into Barnes and Noble to find a book because you know you won't necessarily find the genre that you want. Maybe you just want lit RPG and you've got no way of actually finding that unless you trawl through Amazon, which is not very intuitive. But imagine going on the site, just clicking on lit RPG on the subgenre, and then it just showing you hundreds and hundreds of books that you can just scroll through and go, oh, that looks quite good. Click on it and it'll tell you exactly where to buy it. And a lot of the time, the authors are selling it from their own website at less money than you'd get it in a store and it will be signed. Like mm. that kind of thing, though, there's more of a, a personal nature about it. And I don't see why any indie author wouldn't want to put their book on there for nothing. And I don't see why any reader who likes indie books would not want to find a book on there because it's easier to find than any other site. And you're not just waiting for people to give you a review and you know, you know it happens to go viral. I mean, yeah. like the only books, like really, if I think of like, say fantasy, the books that have been out there that have been highly publicized, there's only a handful of them indie, but the ones that haven't been caught the zeitgeist and been viral are so, like, there's so many of them. There's so many in each genre. There's so many gems that you could find. And yeah. Yeah, that's basically my very roundabout sales pitch like it costs nothing and you could gain everything <laughs> that's you know that's a that's a great sales pitch honestly and uh yeah i agree i put my book up on your site one of my books i have i have several more that i will get around to putting up as well uh and anybody listening if you're an author and i don't know why you'd listen if you're not an author at this point uh put your books on the site get them there if you're self-published let's say that uh and, and you're able to do so put them there uh if you start a pod uh excuse me not a podcast the Substack. I will mm -hmm. recommend your Substack. So just make sure you let me know when you start your Substack and I'll recommend it through my platform so that lots of people can see that. Um, please collect emails from now on. I think you're you're a force for good and we need more forces for good out there. Thank you so much for being Thank on the show today. Thank you very much. I loved it. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?